Hey, thanks for joining us at Connection Point Church. You know, we would love for you to stay connected and a simple way for you to do that is to subscribe so that each week you can get notified when new content goes live. We'd also love to keep in touch with you throughout the week and the best way to do this is through our Connection Point Facebook page. Now with all that being said, let's go to this week's message with our lead pastor, Zach Maddox. One of the things I look forward to at the start of every year is an opportunity to take some time to pray and to fast and just enter into the new year with a heart of, of realignment to God, to God and his purposes. And, and there's a reason, though, because I think fasting has a way of breaking through in a way that other things do not. Uh, I don't fully understand it, uh, but I've seen it true on several occasions in, in our lives, but also in the lives of, of others. So I'd like to ask today, where do you find yourself? Are there areas in your life you'd like to experience some breakthrough? I know for Shelly and I, as we think about not just our lives, but our family, um, there are some. And, and fasting has a way of doing that. Are there answers you're seeking that are related to God's will and his desires for your life? You're seeking answers. Well, prayer and fasting are a wonderful way to seek answers from the Lord. They really are. And so to help us better understand fasting and the results that we can expect from it, uh, what I'd like to do is examine several passages of Scripture that deal with fasting. And I'm going to start with Matthew chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, tell you what, it was weird to say that when nobody was in this room. It's like I just kind of had to pretend it was there. I don't know. So I'm glad you have your Bibles this morning. We want you to bring a Bible with you because we want you daily in God's Word, not just today. I'm going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 16. Uh, the reason we have you stand is because we appreciate the fact that God gave his word to us, our guide, and it's a good one. And we're going to be in uh, chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, and then I'm going to jump to Luke as well. So starting in Matthew, and when you fast, so Jesus speaking here, when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by, by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. I'm going to jump to Luke chapter 4, so if you found Matthew, turn a few pages the other direction, you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, Luke chapter 4, just looking at verses 1 and 2. And Jesus full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry. It's kind of an obvious verse, right? <laughs> These are the very words of God. You may be seated this morning. So we've been in a series, a Better Together series, understanding that the way that you make it through a crisis is together, unique community, and the way that we can reach the world is together. No one can do it alone. And part of this series has been the understanding of we have a king. We live in a kingdom. God's word is our guide, and we have a, a collective mission to fulfill. Every one of us. God, it says in, in scripture that he's prepared good works for us to enter into, and those good works are found as we enter into the mission he has for us. But part of what we have found as we've looked at the mission is that the mission requires endurance. It is not a sprint. It is a marathon. In fact, I think it's an Ironman. Like, you're biking, you're swimming, you're running. It's, it's something 
to endure, but also enjoy along the way with others. And so we've been talking about those things, those, those qualities that lead to endurance. Things such as living well in a Christian community. Having times of regular rest and praying and, and giving. And today we're going to talk about the practice of fasting. And so what I want to do this morning is simply walk through some of the questions on fasting, allowing scripture to provide us the answers. I, I want to do this because part of what I'd like to do, and we actually did this last year. So last year, uh, one of the things we've done since the very first January we've been here is we started every year with a week of prayer. And uh, that's something I feel like is an important part as we head into the year. But then last year, we added fasting to that. And so I'd like us to consider to do the same, that I'd like to talk about fasting today. We've already opened the year in prayer. We had a men's prayer night on Zoom. We had a women's prayer night on Zoom. And life groups have spent time in prayer. But I'd also like us to press in into a corporate time of fasting, 21 days. So that's the invitation today. We're inviting you to be part of a collective, a corporate fast. Because God does something in fasting. He just does. Um, so then starting tomorrow, 21 days would lead to Super Bowl Sunday. I'm going to talk about fasting because I don't encourage you. If you do a water fast and you break your fast on Super Bowl Sunday with a Super Bowl party, you'll regret it. So we're going to talk about how do we fast. <laughs> it's part of what we're going to do. But I invite you to be a part of a corporate time of fasting. There's, there's a particular reason. I, I was uh, uh, talking with one of my pastor mentors. He's on the East Coast. And, and he got into this rhythm with the congregation he leads a long time ago. And there's three things that they seek each week. So, so one thing each week. The first thing is, so I just want to kind of put this out before you and then I'll circle back around to it. The first thing that they spend in focus in fasting is they ask the Lord, God, we just love you. Draw us nearer to you. It's a pressing in to God. So if you want to, let me say this, if you want to endure in the life that we're living, you need to know your heavenly father. You need to know him well. So that's the first thing. And the second thing they do in week two in, in fasting is they say, God, we want to hear your voice. Over and over in scripture, you see this, this admonition of he who has ears to hear. So we're just asking, Lord, give me ears to hear. And then week three, what we'd ask is, and Lord, of those things we have heard out of your love, help us walk in obedience to it. So that's the progression as we enter into three weeks. But that's the invitation this morning. But what I want to do is just answer a couple of questions of, of number one is, why is it important that we fast? And then what is a fast and, and how do we do it? So the first one is, is why is fasting important? And the first answer comes from what we read in Matthew chapter 6 this morning. Jesus says, and when you fast. He didn't say if. He didn't say if at some point during your life as a Christian. He said when. When you fast. Jesus assumed his followers would fast. It's when, not if. What you'll see in the context of this passage is Jesus talks about prayer right before this passage. He talks about giving right after this passage. So just as prayer and giving are meant to be a part of the life of every follower, so is fasting. In other words, just as followers are expected to follow those principles, so we should add fasting to that as well. And just as our prayer life and our giving has an effect on the endurance we have for the mission we're in, so does fasting. Fasting affects endurance. As followers of Jesus, part of our normal life activities should include community, resting, praying, giving, and fasting. These qualities, as simple as it sounds, they actually help us run the race well. They're part of living well in the kingdom of our king. So first and foremost, we should fast because we're instructed by King Jesus to fast. 
But we also should fast because there are some experiences with God we can only have through the discipline of fasting. When exercised with a pure heart and a right motive, fasting may provide us a key to unlock doors where other doors have failed. Fasting can set us free. We sang about freedom this morning, and fasting's a part of that. Reading from Isaiah chapter 58, it says, Is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke. Fasting can set people free from things that have kept them from experiencing the full freedom they're offered in Jesus. Fasting breaks bonds. It does. Fasting can, can set people free from things like fear. I think that's a big one right now. I think there are a lot of Christians, so I'm not even talking about those who don't know God. If I'm honest, if you don't know Jesus, you probably should fear right now. But let me say this. If you do know Jesus, you should be absolutely living without fear right now. Because we know who sits on the throne. And we know that his kingdom's unshakable. So part of what we need to understand is if you're bound by fear right now, if you're fearful for yourself, for your kids, for your future, fasting has a way of sometimes breaking that bond in the way that other things cannot. Do you need to be set free from fear? Fasting can set a person free from it. Fasting can also set people free from resentment, jealousy, and impure lifestyles. Many people bound by fear, resentment, jealousy, and impure lifestyles have tried hard to pray, to believe, to claim victory, and yet they're still bound. Fasting could provide the breakthrough they've been searching for. In the passage we read last week where Jesus cast out the demon from the boy and uh, the disciples they couldn't do it, and they asked Jesus why, and he replies. He says, this kind can only come out by prayer. So we we'd covered this two weeks ago, talking about prayer, and he said this can only come out by prayer. But if you look in the footnotes of that verse, this is in Matthew and in Mark, usually it's actually by prayer and fasting. This kind can only come out by prayer and fasting. Fasting can set people free from bondage. It's a big one. And when exercised with a pure heart and a right motive, fasting may also provide us with new insights. There's a very close connection between the practice of fasting and receiving spiritual revelation. Take a look at Daniel chapter 9. I, Daniel, turn my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting. Gabriel speaking with me and saying, O oh, Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. Now, there's nothing in Scripture to suggest we're to seek visions, dreams, or supernatural revelations, but those who give themselves to seeking God with fasting may find God rewarding them with different manifestations of his presence. It's part of what we find in Scripture. So one of the main reasons I, I would like us to fast as we head into 2021 is it is so important, it's vital, that we align ourselves with God's purposes. We absolutely want to make sure that we're praying and seeking God to say, God, what are you doing and how can we be a part of that? It should never mean, God, I want to do this, and could you bless it? That's the wrong way, both as a church and in your personal life. If in your personal life you're saying, God, this is what I want to do, could you bless it? That's wrong. It's meant to be, God, what are you doing? How can I jump in and be a part of that? And so we want to align ourselves to what God's doing. And the last reason I'm going to give is, as we look at reasons why it's important we fast, is when exercised with a pure heart and a right motive, Fasting may provide us with a spiritual weapon of God's divine power. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, For the weapons of our warfare, 
What are they? They're not of the flesh, but of divine power to destroy strongholds. Prayer and fasting, these are weapons of our warfare. So as we continue to prepare for what God wants to do in the greater Lafayette area, which is what we're doing as a church, we need to be people who fast and pray so that we advance on enemy territory. So with an understanding of why we should fast, I want to take a few moments of defining what a fast is. So what is fasting? Simply put, fasting is periodically putting aside food as a physical expression of a spiritual reality. An expression that more than our bodies are dependent on food, our lives, our souls are dependent on God. So when we fast, when we set aside a meal not to eat, maybe breakfast, lunch, or dinner, or maybe we set aside a day a a few days, a week, or more, when we do that, we're fasting. What we're saying is, what's most important in my life is not physical nourishment. More than I need food, I need God. That's what we're saying in a fast. More than I need the most basic things in this world, I need God. Fasting is a physical reminder of that spiritual reality. Jesus in the wilderness, he's being tempted by the devil to turn a stone into bread. And here's what Jesus says. Man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, we're sustained by God far before we're sustained by food. Before our bodies need strength and nourishment from fruit, our souls need strength and nourishment from God. I'm sure at some point, if you've walked through life at any length of time, you have found that to be true. Now, some might argue that fasting is not for everyone. It's reserved for the mature believer. I've heard that. Well, it's only for those that have walked with Jesus for a while, but this is not the example we find in the Bible. Paul, he's setting up churches, and and he made sure to appoint elders for every church. And here's what it says in Acts chapter 14. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, so these are new believers, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they believed. So fasting is for everyone, no matter where you're at on your journey with Jesus. Fasting was a fundamental part of Paul's church planning strategy. But I do know it's not recommended for certain people to do a water fast. We know this. It's not recommended for those with diabetes to fast completely from food if they take insulin. Uh, Expectant nursing mothers are not encouraged to fast completely from food. The majority of people in this room, we have the ability to fast, but these would be a, a few exceptions of that. I mean, if in doubt, of course, we always encourage people, seek some medical advice. But I do want to be careful here because I've seen a lot of people make an out for this spiritual discipline. And why? It's hard, right? To fast means primarily not to eat. So to fast, we're often told, is is not simply uh, nor necessarily to abstain from food, but from anything that hinders communion with God. So fasting is abstaining from those things which hinder our communion with God. And, And it's true, there's a lot of things besides food that hinder our communion with God. Right now, I bet social media is a big one. You might want to consider fasting that too. But by biblical definition, the fact still remains to fast means primarily not to eat. Fasting is often coupled with prayer. Not always, but often. And and so this is why I want to encourage us to fast now that we've had some time of opening up in, in the new year in prayer. Fasting is designed to make prayer mount up on eagles' wings. It's calculated to give an edge to a person's intercession's power to their petitions. And fasting, if we consider it, it's not meant to be me-centered. Fasting is done unto God. What's the reason? It's it's worshiping or ministering to the Lord, a giving of ourselves to God, and only secondarily a means to seek certain spiritual ends. 
God's chosen fast, using the language of Isaiah 58, is something he has appointed, set apart for him, to minister to him, to honor and glorify him. It's designed to accomplish his sovereign will. Fasting helps us to express, to deepen, and to confirm the resolution that we're ready to sacrifice anything, sacrifice ourselves to attain what God wants for his kingdom. The person who prays with fasting is giving heaven notice they are truly in earnest, that they will not give up nor let God go without the blessing. Someone engaged in prayer and fasting does not intend to take no for an answer. So with an understanding of of why it's important we fast and and what a fast is, I want to turn to our, our attention to how is it that we fast? How can we do that? And what I simply want to encourage all of us to do is just take next steps in fasting, whatever that is for you. I want everyone to participate so that we can collectively commit to a church-wide fast as the Lord leads you. Some may want to consider something called the Daniel fast. Uh, It comes from the book of Daniel as he describes engaging in a partial food fast, eating only fruits and vegetables, nuts, and whole grains. Uh, You can find a lot of information about this type of fast online. There's lots of uh, recipes and cookbooks for this type of fast, the Daniel fast. And this is a great way. So if you've never done a fast before, 21 days on a Daniel fast is a great place to start. I would encourage you to consider it. And typically, anyone can do this type of fast, even those I mentioned before, because really you're eating healthy foods. But otherwise, if you want to start fasting by going without food, maybe you consider. So maybe you've done a Daniel fast, you've done that before, maybe that doesn't interest you, but maybe skip a meal a day. Skip lunch and spend that time with the Lord. That might be another way to approach it. If you've fasted before a meal, maybe you commit to a full day each week for three weeks. If you've done a a day before, maybe you commit to a few days each week. And and if you've done that, maybe you consider a week or two weeks. It all depends on how the Lord leads you. So this week, here's what my encouragement would be. In your times of prayer, just ask the Lord, how would you have me participate? And then do that. Because here's what's important. The fast must be God-initiated and God-ordained if it's going to be effective. It's got to be led by the Lord. Now, if you feel the Lord leading you toward a longer fast, anything from five days or longer in terms of a a water fast, there are some things you need to know. Number one, begin slowly. So if you want to fully fast for five days or more, here's what I'd recommend. I actually would recommend start with the Daniel fast this week because here's what that helps you to do. You start getting rid of caffeine from your diet. You're probably going to have some headaches. so You might want to start weaning yourself off coffee this week. It starts taking sugars out of your diet. So you'll start having some of those withdrawals, but it's a real good way to enter into a longer fast. So consider that. Uh, For a longer fast, the goal might be to start next Sunday, and you take a couple of weeks for a water fast. But you transition into that easily. You don't just stop eating. That can be hard on your body to do it that way. So if you commit to a long-term fast, here's some things you can expect to experience. There's three phases. First phase likely lasts for a few days. It's marked by craving for food. And and once it passes, you may continue to have positive thoughts about food, but a lot of the cravings actually pass away. The second phase, it's marked by feeling of weakness and faintness, uh, which will also last for two or three days. This is actually the most difficult period of the fast. But I would say this. Uh, Many people uh, who have tried fasting, this is oftentimes the the time that they quit because they think it's harmful for their body. But really, when you consider the country in which we live, there are vastly uh, far more people ill from overindulgence than undernourishment. It really is the case. People are literally eating themselves to death, not starving to death in our country, for the most part. Fasting actually sets in motion what happens is the body's own natural system of cleansing and healing. And it's uncomfortable. But let me explain by by way of illustration. An Alaskan farmer 
who's cut off by winter snowdrifts, and with fuel supplies running low, he looks around for things to burn. First, he looks at spare lumber and, and broken furniture and old magazines and books. I don't recommend burning books. I like books, so. But that's what the Alaskan farmer does. Then he will have to consider what can be sacrificed for heating purposes. Only when everything that has spared has been burned will he use useful furniture in the stove. And, and our body actually does the same thing. It burns up first inferior materials. Gradually, after deposits of fat, impurities, and degenerated tissue have been consumed, the delicate inner mechanisms, your body actually is an amazing thing. God made you with an amazing body. It actually cleanses itself in really interesting ways. Fasting actually has incredible health benefits. It's not the reason we fast, it's just an extra blessing. But then the third phase becomes the easiest as your strength renews and you begin to feel like you can fast indefinitely. So after about a week of that, then you feel like you could do this for a really long time. And, but then that ends as you start to get hungry again. And what that means is your body is now starting to go after living tissue. So that's a good time to end your fast. If you want more detailed information on fasting, maybe it's of, of interest to you. A couple of great books is God's Chosen Fast by Arthur Willa, or Wallace, uh, A Celebration of Discipline. There's a great chapter in there by Richard Foster on fasting. So if you're curious, those give great biblical insight and practical applications. But I will say fasting is neither easy or pleasant. That's why it's usually one of the last things we do in spiritual disciplines. But the spiritual and physical benefits, let me say this, they far outweigh the challenge. They really do. After a prolonged fast, you'll have brighter eyes, pure breath, clear skin, and a sense of physical well-being. There's lots of things that happen out of that. But the biggest thing is we get to hear from God in ways that we otherwise couldn't. But here's what's ultimately important. Now, this is really the point of fasting. When we fast, it is vital we feast on God. Let me say that again. That's really the point of a fast. Our time of fasting is meant to be time of feasting on God, spending more time with him. So when you fast a meal, it's an easy way to start. So if you fast a meal a day, Take that as an extra concentrated time to be in God's word, to pray, to sing songs of worship. Feast on God while you're fasting from food. This is how you'll experience your greatest takeaways from your time of fasting. And when you pray during your fast, here's a couple of ways that you could pray. God, I delight in your glory. That's a good way to, to pray as you fast. More than I delight in food, I delight in you, God. More than I want food, I want you. You'll get a craving for food when you're fasting, but you can let that craving drive you and to say, God, I just want more of you. The psalmist declares in Psalm 63, my soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. The New Living Translation, the same verse says, you satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. So what you're praying is, God, I enjoy you more than anything this world has to offer. So spend your time fasting by enjoying and worshiping God. That's how you'll enjoy that time of fasting. That's how you'll start to look forward to your times of fasting. Fasting shouldn't be this somber, lowly thing. It should be a joyful expression of a deeper gladness with God. It really should. Another way to pray is, God, I need your grace. Fasting is often associated with times of confession. Part of the purpose of fasting is really to go before God and confess sin, asking God to purify your heart. Mourning over personal sin and failures facilitated by fasting. Confess sin and ask for God's mercy because self-examination takes time. Lord, more than I need food, I need your grace, your love, and your mercy. And you can pray, God, I submit to your will. That's a big one too. 
In the Bible, people often fasted out of desire to, to hear from him, to know his will. I mentioned that. Lord, more than I want food, I want to do your will. So you're seeking guidance from God. Before most of our major life decisions for Shelly and I, we've taken at some point some time for fasting to saying, God, we really need to hear from you on this. Before we came here, of course we took time to fast. God, we really need to hear from you on this. It's a special way to hear from God's voice. And that's why I want us collectively as a church to say, God, we want to hear from you for this congregation. How are you leading us in 2021? Praying, God, what are you doing in Greater Lafayette? How can we be a part? God, what are you doing in our county, in this state, in the nation, in the world? How can we be a part of that? Fasting has a great way of helping us hear from God. And so one way to approach a 21-day fast, as I, I mentioned early on, is that we can uh, approach each week with a particular prayer. The first is, first week. So this week saying, God, I want to know you. I want to know you. Is that, is that your heart's desire? Draw me near. You can spend the first week receiving his love and grace, being reminded God loves you not for what you do, but simply for who you are. Week two. So week one, God I want to know you. Week two, God, I want to hear your voice. Teach us, admonish us, correct us. God, let me hear your voice, your direction from my life and our church. And then in week three, we say, God, we submit to your will. This is obedience week. Here are the things we've learned during our fast, and now we need to put them into practice. Because if at the end of the fast, we don't put into practice the things that God's been speaking to us, we actually miss the transforming work that he desired to do in our time of fasting. So we want to benefit from the time of fasting. Paul, in writing the believers in Philippi, he instructs them to work out their salvation with fear and trembling. And I think fasting is one way of doing that. To know his voice, to know his love, and then to walk in obedience to it. And here's the last way. The last way that I encourage us to pray as we collectively fast is, Lord, I long for your return. Lord, I long for your return. Reading from Matthew chapter 9. Then the disciples of John came to Jesus, saying, so the disciples of John, why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not? And Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. We fast because Jesus ascended to heaven, and we long for his return. There is an ache, a hunger, a longing inside of us because Christ is not here as fully, as intimately, as gloriously as we want, and we want more. We want his fullness in us. We want his fullness in the world. Fasting is a physical expression that more than our stomachs long to be full, we long to see Jesus. We long to see him. And so consider this this morning. If fasting is our physical expression of Christ's return to usher in a new heaven and a new earth, then our lack of fasting is saying we're content with Jesus not coming back. We're saying we're content with this world. We should not be content with this world. Instead, what we should see is we look around and we see evil and we see suffering and we see cancer and we see human trafficking and we see broken homes and racial tension and political turmoil. We see pain and suffering all around us and so we fast and say, Jesus, I'm not content with this world. I'm not okay with the state of the world today. Jesus, come quickly and end the suffering and make everything right. We desire from Matthew 24, 14, it says, in the gospel of the kingdom, proclaim to the whole world. 
so that all can hear and the end will come. And so what we're fasting and saying is, Lord, help your message to be proclaimed so you can come and make everything right. Jesus is the only one that can do it, folks. So fasting is saying we want it to happen. So here's my encouragement. Let's fast from food and feast on God for the next 21 days to know his love, to hear his voice, and then to walk in obedience to his will. Fasting is a God-appointed means to experience more of God's grace and power in our lives. It's how Jesus began his ministry. We read about that in Luke chapter 4 this morning. And I love how the passage points out, he was led into the wilderness by the Spirit. After 40 days of prayer and fasting, do you know how he came out? Not led, full. I love the difference. I love that he was led into the Spirit for fasting. So I'm asking the Lord, Lord, lead all of us in our congregation, those in the sanctuary, those in our overflow rooms, those at home and our online campus, Lead us by your spirit into a corporate time of fasting, however the Lord initiates that in your life, so that in 21 days we walk out full of his spirit. That's what we need. And that's the example we have of Jesus. And so we should approach fasting with joyful anticipation of God, what are you going to do? You're leading us, but how are you going to manifest yourself in my life? Because we should come out on the other side of this fast. Here's how we should come out. More in tune with God hearing his voice more and more clearly. We should be better spouses, better parents, better co-workers, a better child of the king. So where do you find yourself today? Are you seeking freedom from fear, resentment, jealousy, or an impure lifestyle? Are you wanting to participate in hearing from the Lord for the sake of this church? Would you be willing to forgo food for a time to be set free and to receive fresh vision for your life? How would God have you participate as we fast together and we fast from food and feast on God? I'm going to invite you to stand as we close in song this morning. As you're standing, I just felt like we need to start today. With uh, We'll start fasting from food tomorrow. That's the encouragement. Seek the Lord and ask the ways that he might have you do that. But I feel like I want to ask the Lord to start receiving some of the benefits of fasting today, which is basically in freedom, and specifically freedom from fear. Uh, I really struggle with that in our society. And mostly I struggle with it with believers because we have nothing to fear, ladies and gentlemen. God is glorious. And his goodness, it says that his steadfast love endures forever. So I would say this this morning as we're going to close in song. Are you here today and you're struggling with fear and anxiousness because of the state of our world? I just really felt like I needed to pray with folks that are struggling with that this morning before we go. I want you to seek freedom from that today, but if you still struggle with that, yes, fast for that direction as well. So are you here today and you're struggling with fear and anxiousness, but you realize I've got to be set free from that. It's wrecking my life. With every head bowed in this room, I just want to pray with you before we go into song. If you're here today and you say, that's me. The way you get set free from fear is number one, you got to admit that, that you're struggling with it. And then number two, you've got to seek God's solution for it, which is that his spirit come and set you free from that. That his perfect love, it says in scripture, casts out all fear. And that's why week one is, God, I want to enter into your love. That's part of where freedom from bondage comes from. So if that's you this morning, who here would say, I'm just struggling with fear and anxiety. And I just want to pray about that before we head into song. 
people here today that say, that's me. I'm struggling. I'm fearful about my future. I'm fearful about my kids' future. I'm fearful about my grandkids' future. Yeah, over here, down here, in the middle. Over here on the left. Anybody else? Say, that's me. I'm just struggling. Over here on the right. God, I pray right now for each and every one in this room that first of all says it, God, I know I'm struggling with it, but I want to be set free from it, and I know that you can do it. So God, I pray that you would set people free in Jesus' name right now. Spirit, come. May your perfect love enter into the lives of everyone who raised their hand, willing to say, I'm struggling. I'm struggling with fear. I'm struggling with anxiety, but, but I don't want to live that way. So God, I pray that you would come as we started this service, singing about the freedom that you bring. I pray that you bring it right now. Jesus, freedom come. We just pray, Lord, as we are set free in your name, that we would just commit ourselves to you, entering into your love more deeply this week, hearing from your voice the next, and Jesus then walking in obedience to what you've shared to us. So God, I pray that if anyone here is struggling, that they're just set free. Now as we pray, now as we sing, Jesus, we pray for freedom today in people's hearts. We pray against the enemy, his works and their effects. Lord, we commit ourselves knowing that we engage in spiritual warfare through prayer and fasting and singing. And so God, I, I just pray that you would help us to rise up Lord, help this congregation rise up full of faith, full of your spirit, ready to live for you in Jesus' name. In your name we pray, amen.